Well, hello, and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. It's strange how each episode comes together, but it does. And this week, um, a real kind of, oh, I suppose it's kind of like a colliding of planets, really, of things that have been happening that all seem to me to be relevant to each other. And I suppose indicative of a, a number of things that are going on at the moment. Let's start off at the beginning, shall we? So the other day, I saw a uh, a news kind of article informing me that uh, PDN, Photo District News, the American photography magazine, um, was going to be closing. Uh, the piece of text I saw said this, PDN's current owner, Emerald Expositions, has confirmed that the print edition of the magazine will no longer be published and that no new content will be added to its online edition. I have to say I've been a fan of PDN um, probably for about the last 20 years. I came across it when um, I was working and living in New York and I had an office in Union Square and just off of Union Square was one of those little tiny little magazine stores which was uh, floor to ceiling rammed full of magazines and um, wherever I used to go I used to look for things which are and I still do related to photography I used to have a look in there and I came across PDN I started to buy the print edition of the magazine bring it back to the UK where I didn't feel we had anything that was remotely similar it seemed to be able to bring together all areas of photography it was happy to discuss commissioned photography in all its different kind of shapes and forms but it was also um willing to look at uh, work that was being exhibited in galleries as well as historical work of historical um, importance really so that's where i was with it and obviously a long time ago now since i bought a photography magazine i know how magazines work i've been working in magazines since 1984 and the simple reality of magazines is that first of all people have got to buy them um, and people aren't buying them. They haven't been buying them for a long time. But also they need ad revenue, advertising revenue. And that ad revenue has been rapidly declining over the last 10 years, particularly within the photographic market. The big names, the Canons, the Nikons and so forth, you know, did very well out of the digital revolution when suddenly new cameras were coming out every couple of weeks with a reason to buy bigger uh, memory banks. They could do more. It had more functionality. The pixel count was going up and up and up. All of that kind of stuff meant that they had something to advertise. But it's been a long time now since there's been real sort of giant steps in photographic manufacture therefore less people are buying them therefore the revenues are going down i've spoken about that on previous podcasts i've also spoken about it in my latest book so where we currently are is that those magazines are not receiving funding from readers and they're not receiving funding from ad revenue which is really the key and therefore the magazines go Something else that happened in the last um, week was that um, I'd reached out to somebody who said that they were looking for um, writers for their photography magazines. And um, I thought, well, yeah, actually, that might be something. I haven't done that for a while. I'll get in touch with them and um, see what they've got to say. I got an email back um, this week and um, 
I have to say, it's as disappointing and as sad a reflection on where magazines, editorial and photography magazines are in particular, as the closure of PDN. I'm not going to tell you which magazines, but they're UK-based. Anyway, the letter I got back from the editor felt generic, but um, I'm not sure, but it certainly felt that way. And it said that um, typically we would pay around £150 per feature. This would include all relevant copy and all images. Not only that, the editor expected me to come up with the ideas of what I was going to write about or did I want to do a column and so forth. So they really wanted me to do a huge amount of work and then write it all for them and then supply them with the images as well. Well, of course, that puts you into a very difficult situation if you're going to write about photography because you've either got to ask the photographer to give you their images for free uh, to be used. Why should they? But also because you're now the middleman in this kind of situation this relationship between the magazine and its lack of funding and that's really what we're talking about here these these magazines i'm talking about they haven't got enough funding to actually produce the magazines that they know they need to produce the photographer kenneth jarrack who appeared on a podcast a good few months ago now i think last year or so um, wrote an article this week also that I read about whether or not you wanted to be the Beatles or the Monkeys uh, or the Banana Splits. There's one for the kids. Anyway, it's all on the Medium platform. Check out Kenneth Jarak. Um, but that's really worth reading. And it talks about this idea of the publisher really not caring anymore about what they get as long as they get something. Third thing that came to uh, came to pass in the last week was I received another email. Now, regular emails to, uh, excuse me, regular listeners to this uh, podcast will be well aware that I've really stayed away from any form of advertising, apart from, of course, the uh, the kind of uh, advertisers we had, such as the Stoics, the Bauhaus, and Marshall McLuhan, and so forth. Check out old episodes if you want to hear their uh, sponsorship deal. But I've always felt it's really important to maintain editorial integrity and editorial independence. And also because we're only 20 minutes long, deliberately so. So I don't want to waste any minute of that with somebody trying to sell you product, particularly if it's a product I don't necessarily believe in. I've been uh, contacted by a few people who've asked to sponsor the podcast. And it's kind of tempting. I do all this for free. So the idea of a little bit of money is always nice. But anyway, I got an email this week saying that um, this is from a, a competition kind of setup. And it was from the PR company that was being paid for by the competition setup. Bear that in mind when you pay to enter competitions, that fee may well be funding a very expensive marketing and PR company that are handling that competition. I get a lot of emails from those people. Anyway, let's move on. So I got this email. It said that previously they'd worked with another kind of person, a company, uh, a podcast provider, and uh, to host and sponsor a podcast. Uh, across a range of different topics. And um, what they'd love to do is explore the idea of taking over this podcast and uh, they'd supply me with the editorial. They'd tell me which photographers I needed to talk about and what kind of subject I'd talk about. Now, so far, uh, I've received two emails because after the first email came through, I didn't really understand what they were going on about. 
So I went back to them and they came back to me and said, uh, I'm not sure if sponsorships, media partnerships uh, of this nature are available on your podcast. You have to forgive me. As photography podcasts are new territory we are exploring. I went back to them and said, have you listened to the podcast? Maybe it's time to do your research. I haven't heard back from them yet. Maybe I never will. Maybe they'll take umbrage at that. Who knows? What I'm going to do is stay independent. But also what I'm going to do is I'm going to value what I do. I'm not going to just write for a photography magazine for 150 quid and kind of sell my soul to the devil in that context. I mourn the passing of PDN, but at the same time, I recognise that they tried to get people to pay, uh, pay per view for their website, and it obviously didn't work out for them. They had a big annual, the PDN annual, and they charged people to enter that competition. That obviously didn't give them enough revenue to keep going. The magazines that are offering me the small amount of money have got a limited lifespan. They're just not going to be able to keep going on like that. And similarly with the photo competitions that are paying expensive PR companies, PR companies who aren't doing their research and who really don't understand the kind of people they're talking to or even listening to a podcast before contacting that person about taking over that podcast. You know, I think what we're talking about here is expectation. For me, their expectations are unrealistic. And I have to say, I also find them very condescending. As I've mentioned before, the contributions to the podcast I include each uh, week by photographers explaining to us what photography means to them quite often come to me in advance and they sit on my hard drive. And there are some, well, most of them I'm really keen to include, but this one I really have been desperate to get to the time when it was due to be dropped in. This is the week that that's the case. And that contribution comes from Anna Boyazis. Uh, Anna is an American documentary photographer based between Southern California and East Africa. She earned an MFA from the Yale University School of Art and a BA from the UCLA School of the Arts and Architecture and spent the early years of her career designing a variety of publications, predominantly books. Anna taught at both the Art Centre College of Design and the UCLA School of the Arts and Architecture, and served a teaching fellowship at the Yale University School of Art. Since 2006, she has focused on her photography and her ongoing project, uh, Finding Freedom in the Water, has been featured by National Geographic magazine. In 2019, it was a pre-protect nominee. She was the recipient of a 2019 Getty Images reportage grant. And in 2018, she received an Aaron Siskind uh, Individual Photographers Fellowship, the Alfred Fried Peace Image of the Year, Contemporary African Photography Prize, Pictures of the Year International Award of Excellence, Women Photograph Nikon Grant, and a World Press Photo Award. 2018 was a great year for Anna. And 2017, she won the UNICEF Photo of the Year Honourable Mention. Photographs from this project were included in the Disturb Hashtag Women Matter campaign against violence towards women. And also in the 2017 Taylor Wessing Photographic Portrait Award. 
Anna is a contributing photographer for ESPN, Geo, Medicine Sans Frontières, UNICEF and National Geographic and Stern magazines. She has been a guest speaker at the Austrian Parliament World Press Photo Exhibition and the World Press Photo Festival. As a documentary photographer, I aim to elicit compassion and bring our shared humanity to the fore. I view and experience this work as an act of empathy. Going inside my subjects' lives and entering their physical and emotional worlds has transformed and refined my ability to see. With genuine concern for the well-being of the individuals I photograph, my focus remains committed to capturing moments that establish connection, soften delineation, and illuminate darkness with a sensitivity only an artist can reveal given sufficient time. Photography is an extension of my heart. I remember being led into our junior high auditorium for an assembly where black and white films were our initiation to the Holocaust. Stunned, I wondered why nobody had told us about this sooner, and more importantly, why hadn't anyone done anything to stop it? I've never been able to get those images out of my head. Trained as a designer, I navigate from the point of view that rules exist to be broken, to transcend the literal, to take the thing out of the thing, to resist spoon-feeding the viewer, to tell stories that only I can. My transition from design to photography was one that I was committed to make before I became a designer. My drive to be out in the world engaging with and documenting it while using my voice for advocacy has a very strong pull. It's what I feel most alive doing. When my mom was diagnosed with her first bout of breast cancer, I was hit with the reality that life is short, that we only get one chance at it. I've since directed all my creative energy toward photography to connect with distress and photograph it in such a way that increases viewer capacity to love, to support positive change, to inspire audience engagement, to broaden perspective, to inspire the viewer to question everything from the cultural and political context in which photographs are made to the cultural and political context that inform viewer perception. Before photography and before design, I was trained as a gymnast. At university, we began each day of training in darkness, lying flat on our backs, eyes closed, visualizing what we aimed to achieve. At 15, I'd learned that what we could see with our mind, we could do. It's informed my practice today. I envisioned and wrote about finding freedom in the water for months before I began photographing. I had a strong sense of what I wanted to achieve with the project conceptually, immersing myself in the visual, the reality that I've only experienced in my head stirs me in the best way. Bearing witness to and photographing the transition from fear to peace, an act of emancipation, has exceeded my expectations. I'm beyond thankful that viewers internationally have connected to the photographs in the spirit in which they were intended. In my time between projects, and now as projects overlap, I find myself repeating this process, manifesting ideas that feel distant yet personal, writing about them, wondering if my ideas will resonate with anyone besides me. Most importantly, I feel as though I'm their guardian, that I've been entrusted to carry them through to fruition. I photograph from the perspective that I can fail, that nobody ever has to see what I'm doing, that it's perfectly okay if nobody else considers what I'm doing important or interesting. Ultimately, I'm doing it for me because I have to. 
the process opens me up and turns me inside out. Photography is feeling like I'm exactly where I need to be, that nothing could be more intuitive. Photography has taught me to trust my gut, quiet my mind, listen to my heart. It has welcomed me home. My thoughts are in Malibu in the early 70s, when horses were free to run through the surf and tide pools were teeming with starfish. When my brother and I were little, our mom, an extraordinary friend and a passionate teacher of biology and marine biology, would encourage us to bring her everything we could find on the beach so that we could discuss its kingdom, phylum, class order, family, genus, and species. When she was diagnosed with breast cancer for the second time, I made the choice to care for her as she would have for me. Though I didn't know how long we'd get to spend together, I was committed to encouraging her through her final days. Why am I telling you this? It's helped me to let go, to accept delays as nature intends them. In the past year, I've reflected repeatedly on how this delay in caring for my mom, which I would do all over again if given the opportunity, put me in the perfect position time-wise to begin finding freedom in the water, as if carefully orchestrated or perhaps maternally choreographed the moments I photographed didn't happen two years before, a year before, or even a day before, nor will they ever happen again. Thank you, Anna, for what I think was an incredibly important contribution in so many different ways. Um, powerful, uh, eloquent, and I think focused on absolutely the right things. Funnily enough, uh, on Twitter recently, somebody suggested that um, I chose photographers uh, to appear on the podcast because they'd won an award. And certainly Anna has won a number of awards. And obviously when I introduce people to the podcast, I, I sort of talk about the books and their experiences and so forth. And that includes um, awards and competition wins. But the assumption that was being made was that also such awards and such competition wins define the quality of the work. The reason why I choose photographers uh, to come on the podcast has got absolutely nothing to do with awards or competitions. I can assure you of that. It's about whether or not they've had an interesting life, whether or not I'm interested in them, whether I'm interested in the work, whether or not I feel as if I want to hear from them. And I think Anna there proved that she's somebody we really need, did need to hear from. Anyway, that's pretty much it for this week. Um, thank you very much to Anna. Thank you to all of you for listening. Thank you for your continued support of the podcast, um, which really is um, growing every week. And I thank you all. I really do for that. Because otherwise, I'm just one man in a shed talking to himself. And if that's the case, I really had better just take care.